Summonats is the biggest horsepower party on earth and the best way to do Summonats is with a Platinum Pass. Going Platinum gets you more than just prime shaded seating at the burnout pad. You'll also score an official Summonats merch pack, Platinum only discounts, early access to the top 60, a fast lane to get into the venue, free parking and more. Platinum Passes sell out every year so grab yours today from summonats.com.au and do the Nats in style. Hey, I'm Alan Webb. And I've been with this crazy event called Summonat since it started. In 2020, 33 years later, we've just come out of the Summonats we held while Australia was burning around us. And like the rest of you, we walked straight into the world-stopping coronavirus pandemic. During the first couple of weeks of this crisis, Andy Lopez asked me if I'd like to tell the story of Chick Henry and the Summonats. I asked Cam Sullings, a camera journal and presenter, to help me tell what we think is one of the truly great Australian stories. This is what we came up with. What comes to mind when you think of Canberra, Australia's capital city? Maybe the fact that it's a peaceful, calm, pretty place where laws are made. Well, for four special days in January, Canberra becomes the complete opposite of all those things. It becomes a different kind of capital city, the capital city of noise. The capital city of horsepower. The capital city for burnouts, chrome, turbos and blowers. Canberra becomes the capital city of fun, whether it be with your friends or family. Yes, Canberra is home to an event like no other. Canberra is home to the Summonats. Hi there, I'm Cam Sullings, longtime attendee and now presenter at Summonats. Welcome to the podcast, Chick Henry, his Summonat story. In our first episode, we learn how the Summonats was born. Chick Henry had a colourful childhood, a father who fostered his love of cars, years at school where he was quickly identified as a leader, a competitive athlete and a larrikin. A man who not only had that idea, but had the kahunas to put it all on the line and just make it happen. All right, mates, we're going to start right back from the very, very early years. And I want you to give us the Chick Henry childhood snapshot. Where were you born and, and where did you spend your younger years growing up? Um, well, I was born in Launceston in Tasmania and um, went to school there. Um, and um, looking back on on things uh, you know, from a few years ago, I thought I sort of thought. Now, I wonder what it was that influenced me uh, 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 in particular ways in those future years. Now, my dad was always mucking about with cars. Um, dad had also been in the army, um, uh, fought in um, New Guinea and Borneo during the Second World War, and so I guess uh, in those early years, I was probably going to be somewhat influenced by the army as well. My mum, her background is a little bit unknown. Dad was in charge of the quarry in Hobart where they dug the stone out to build the first building. As I grew up, there's always an influence of cars and um, he and cousins and uncles and everything were always messing about on stuff. Dad had this 37 Chev Roadster, which I thought was pretty cool. And it was hand painted and just a sort of mid blue. But the best part about it was the dicky seat. Mum and dad drove all over the place. Always did. So I saw a lot of Tasmania when I was quite young. 
that Chevy probably influenced me a bit too. I guess all the stuff that mum and dad did in particular had a bearing on me. Now, he also was very interested in motorsport. I went with him to the Baskerville bike races. Baskerville was down near Hobart. And I still remember as a kid smelling the, the fuel that the bike used. I thought that was cool. And then in later years, when uh, one of the rounds of the South Pacific Championships, which was the early days of Formula One, when that ran at Longford, I went with Dad to that. I remember one time Dad was looking at this Aston Martin DB2 and had the engine pulled out of it. And I'm saying, Dad, you've got to buy that. That was a big step from Dad driving a human minx to a silver Aston Martin. But I, but I guess the answer to your question was cars played a big part in my life. Let's move you away from Tasmania then. And uh, I, I certainly know you enjoyed the water sports as well. You did some surfing. I know you played water polo as well. I did, mate. In fact, I rode my first surfboard in uh, about 1963 down in Hobart, but I'd started swimming competitively when I was about 11, I think. Uh, I used to go to the swimming club and um, I was a competitive swimmer. I was a competitive springboard diver as well. Interesting how in those later years when surfing started to appear that I was uh, attracted to that because I was in the, in the Launceston Lowhead Surf Club too. One of the things I love to tell people about is how my mates and I dived off the um, the Cataract Gorge Bridge in Launceston uh, one time. So that was a big deal. It was a big deal to us, but we were just lunatics anyway. Want to get your hands on the latest Street Machine Summonate's official merch? We're proud to announce the launch of our brand new online merch store that's packed with awesome gear. There's t-shirts, hoodies, beanies, bar mats and more from your favourite past events. We've even remade the original Summonate's One t-shirts. Classic! Grab any piece of merch for a limited time and you'll score a bonus bit of merch completely free. It's only while stocks last and some items will sell out. So head to summonats.com.au now. I know in the mid to late 80s, you played water polo for Dremoyne. And I think in conversation some years ago, we worked out that we actually played each other. I played in Sydney for Cronulla and uh, those Tuesday nights at the Dremoyne pool. I remember also leading up to Christmas on the Tuesday night before Christmas, the clubs would come together and a number of grades would play and they would have an event called Cans by Candlelight. Once the games were done, the Christmas carols were on. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and it's true. When I did live in Dremoyne, I played for Dremoyne for a while. But um, when I lived in um, in Queensland, when I was in the army and I, I spent nearly five years in Townsville, I was the first person outside of the Brisbane area to get in the Queensland water polo team. Years later, I also played in the Australian Masters twice. Won a silver medal here in Canberra twice, and I played in the World Masters Games too. So water polo was a big deal to me. Um, I mean, I could never run out of sight in the bloody dark, but but I was a good swimmer. <laughs> Tell us about um, your time in the army. You've, you know, you've mentioned the army a couple of times now. Towards the end of my time at school, and I, I was lucky enough, I went to a fantastic high school because it was a very trade practical school. And um, one of the um, subjects we were able to do at that school was blacksmithing. There was a blacksmithing class. And as well as fitting and turning and, and fitting, and I did woodwork and tech drawing and that sort of stuff. I found out about the Army Apprentices School. And in my last year at high school, I applied. 
my academic ability was a bit how you're going. But um, I, in my last year of high school, I was uh, house captain, class captain, captain of the swimming team, captain of the rugby union team. And the only thing I wasn't a, was a prefect. And that was only because I found out that they didn't think much of the fact that I'd been in a few too many fights. But anyway, <laughs> that didn't matter. But uh, I went into the army in 1964, did my apprenticeship as a blacksmith. And when I look back on it, would never have had it any other way. You know, the skills I learned. I worked as a welder and sheet metal worker and, and learned plumbing. And so I was, a, you know, turned out to be a very, very versatile tradesman. God, Chick, it sounds like we're talking about the old Wild West here, the Chick Henry, the blacksmith of Summonats. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it was a bit like that. The blacksmith teacher didn't want me to, to do that trade, and my dad didn't want me to do that trade. But as I said, looking back on it, I was really glad that I did. I know you worked in a funeral home as well, and over the years, and I've certainly seen you in action at the Summonats, the way that you deal and communicate with people. And, and working in the funeral home, no doubt, would have given you a, a really good platform to learn how to deal with people, especially in very emotional circumstances. Yeah, mate, it did. I, I mean, prior to that, I guess the only thing I ever thought about what you might call interpersonal relationships was when I worked in workshops and you you just had to make sure that if you borrowed uh, those vice grips off that cranky old bugger over there, you made made sure you took them back and, um, you know, you didn't upset the guy in the, in the tool store. I had an operation on my back not long after I got out of the army. I'd actually hurt my back on a trampoline. And uh, so I had an operation. And I wasn't sure that I was ever going to go back to be able to do my trade, certainly not as a welder. And um, and I saw a, this ad for a, a maintenance um, mechanic for this uh, very big funeral director business in Brisbane. And they actually had five on their, in their fleet, they had five Chevys and an L55 custom line. Well, when they knew that I had a number of skills that were required, um, then I got the job. So that was all fair enough. When we were busy, I used to have to go out on the road, um, which was fair enough. I mean, sometimes we do, you know, on the busy day, 24 funerals in a day. We. Anyway, um, one of the things you, you learn when you go out on the job is to, as I say, how to deal with people at a very vulnerable time in their life. And you know, people think that funeral directors are fantastic because we we just learn how to be, um, you know, uh, sound sympathetic, be helpful, stand there and you know in a very professional way with our suits on. In fact, people, uh, a couple of people that saw me with a suit on um, <laughs> years ago, uh, they said, uh, "Have you just been to court? Are you, are you the um, accused or the defendant?" <laughs> People, you know, most people have never ever seen me in a suit. But uh, it's true. It's true. I le- I learned a lot about um, human nature working um, for that near seven years that I worked uh, for that funeral company. And so we have the recurring theme once again of the wonderful motor vehicle that is the Chevrolet. What is it about the Chevy for Chick Henry? I guess I've always um, had an attraction towards American cars, um, and and that that once again, looking back on it, I, I realised cars that I was attracted to when I was going to school, and um, and then in late, the first Chevy I owned was a, a '57 uh, Ford or Bel Air, and uh, and then I started to sort of catch on to not not just. 
uh, the American car aspect and Chevys, but the high performance side of it all, because up until then, the ca- some of the cars I'd owned, you know, were, were fairly high performance. I owned a VE Valiant that, you know, went pretty good at the drags. Um, I had a pretty clever look at EH Holden for a while, um, you know, and so I, I had this an interest in um, good-looking street cars, but it was what underpinned it really was um, uh, performance. And, and then the American cars. And one of the first American cars that really got my attention from a performance point of view was when I was driving back to Townsville one time and I saw this um, Plymouth Ram Charger on a trailer. The guy had been at Surface Paradise racing it. And I, I thought, man, this is the coolest looking thing. And because um, it, it was a coupe, you know, a two-door. Yep. And a pretty smart looking thing. And then, and then I, as I say, I had a '57 Chevy, and I'd spent a gazillion on that, as you do. So you know, the deep hole that you throw money in, you're never going to see that see it again. Uh, and that that Chevy went pretty damn hard, and uh, and it sort of went on from there. But then I I, I started to understand the the the, um, the attraction to own something that was a, a bit rare and unusual. And my the Y62 originally came to Australia as a twin four-barrel, 409 cubic inch, four-speed, positraction rear end, and they were a pretty tough car in there. They thought they were over 400 horsepower in 1962. And uh, I bought this thing without a motor and gearbox, but I, but I was immediately attracted to the shape of the roof line, the fact that it was a two-door. And I'm, I swear to God, Cam, yep. I, I can walk out in the garage here now where the 62 is, and I love that car. I love the shape of it. I'll park it across the road, go to a shop, come back, and I think I just love that car. So good. All sorts of other cars I love, but I really, really like that 62 Coupe. Street Machine Summer Nats 34 is set to be one of the biggest horsepower parties Canberra has ever seen. Tickets are selling fast and discount entries are now open for a limited time via the website. And that's also where you'll find our brand new range of official Street Machine Summer Nats merch. Entrant and Platinum Passes will sell out very soon, so head to summernats.com.au to lock in your spot today. Tell us about your involvement in Street Machine Nationals back in the day. When I lived in Townsville, um, when I was starting to get a lot more involved with the guys that that had high-performance cars and drag racing cars and stuff, I, um, I started to be a bit affected by what you might otherwise call a collective. You know, people that just hung out and enjoyed each other's company, but then that that's aspect that was a little bit more organized like a club sort of thing and i'd already been involved in clubs because in the water polo and the footy um, aspect of my life up there i was involved with the local club and at committee level so it seems like i i sort of had this attraction to to being somewhat of an organizer and then when i got out of the army in 73 and moved to brisbane um, i started to see the development of people with later model cars so, in other words, a street machine being post-1948, essentially, yep. uh, hot rodders being essentially pre-48. And, um, and then I, because I, I knew the hot rodders, they had their clubs and so forth, and I, I 
myself and other like-minded people, we started to form clubs and different things. Then it sort of grew to a state body and then a national body. And, you know, I was, in a way, the main instigator of the national aspect of it all. But, you know, trying to, to formulate a sort of a standard arrangement, get people into clubs so that we could sort of get club fees to do all sorts of things, you know, put, even if it was only just put on a decent Christmas party. But I also saw the need to raise money if we were ever going to lobby government to get a better deal for people that drove modified cars. Some hot rodders went to Street Rod Nationals in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And when I came back, I went to a film night one night, and that was just so cool what, what I saw there. And so myself and, and a whole bunch of people went over there in 1976 to the Street Rod Nationals in Tulsa. I was able to see this bigger event. You know, it's one thing to have a bit of a club gathering, go for a run on Sunday, bit of a, have a bit of a show here and there, show and shine. But I saw that there was a, an opportunity to have, in Australia, to have a big national event, even though the Hot Rodders had their own national event that they'd run at Narandra. But uh, somehow I saw a bigger picture. I had no background in business, but I saw the sort of commercial side of it all. And if we ran it a particular way, the money we could make at a national event um, could pay the, the, and, and the club fees, the membership fees, could give us even more financial clout to talk to um, politicians and put a lobbied group together. But um, anyway, we had the first nationals in Griffith. Uh, there was two there, one in Naranda, one in Shepparton, and then uh, three in Canberra. And I was heavily involved. I'd become the national director by then. And it was an absolute battle trying to get the states to all agree. Well, surprise, surprise. You know, do the, do the bloody states ever agree on anything? I never lost sight of the good reason, I believe, yep. for all of these people yep. to come together as a national body. And that's essentially what I was trying to do uh, to when that time came when um, the, the summer that sort of became an option. Yep. So, so let's talk about that pivotal time, that moment in time, do you remember the exact moment that you had the Summonats idea? It wasn't, no, it wasn't so much the Summonats as in, let's use that name and that'll be the name of our event. It wasn't, wasn't really like that. Uh, what it, what it was, was it didn't matter. It was always going to be the Street Machine Nationals. Right, that was what it was always going to be, yep. because of my belief in the value of the organisation. But I, I had put a, a, a self and um, a, a close friend who now, who just recently sadly passed away, um, Rudy Vandenberg. He was a very successful lawyer here in, count, in town and a, and a, a, a deep-seated car enthusiast. And um, we put together a, a proposal. I wanted to make the people involved in the other states see the benefit of running it a particular way. So in other words, the national organisation would be you know, made up of all the members and then this event called the Nationals would be like the satellite and that would be the money-making thing. So anyway, that, that was where it was. Rudy and I put together a, a proposal that I gave to the states and, and as you do with a, in a formal business way, you say, <clears throat> okay, um, we need to find either find agreement or disagreement on close of business on such and such a day. So that was part of the arrangement. 
you know, that was the sort of advice that Rudy as a, as a solicitor gave me. Anyway, five o'clock that day came, no phone call, nothing. You know, no letter, no sign of, oh, could we keep talking, anything at all, nothing. By now, I'd had people saying to me, why don't you run an event, Chick? Why don't you put something together? Why don't you do it? I already then had uh, a, a bit of a track record, I guess, those people that, that chose to, you know, analyse me, if you want to say it that way, um, saw that I, I had certain um, organisational skills, I had uh, certain business skills that I'd developed uh, because I'd been involved in uh, three nationals that ran here in Canberra. And so, you know, there were, there were sponsors and there were exhibitors and close friends and various people. People of, of, of in many, time, many places of great consequence in their own world and uh, so when I hit that day, uh, and of course Street Machine Magazine, Phil, Phil Scott in particular, had been saying to me, you know, well, if you run an event, you stage an event, we'll get together with you and be the sponsor. Now, they had been the sponsor of the 86 Street Machine Nationals um, in Canberra. But, but uh, anyway, when I hit that date, so basically Monday morning, uh, and their, their solicitor, before I say that, their solicitor... Uh, Jack Pappas, who was also a close friend of mine, um, he rang me at about 5.30 that afternoon and he, and uh, I, I said, I haven't heard from him, Jack. All bets are off. It's all off. Not going to do it. He said, ah, oh, no, don't worry about it. We'll talk them around. I said, Jack, I've had enough. I've had enough of trying to round these cats up. You know, like it was a waste of time. So anyway, I went to Sydney. Um, on, I don't know what day it was, but I rang, rang Street Machine on Monday and said, okay, ready to talk to you about um, joining forces and um, putting an event together. So anyway, we had that, had a meeting. So that would have been, and I don't know what the month would have been, but it was uh, 1987. It was probably about May or June, I guess, of 87. And um, anyway, if we're going to run an event, uh, when are we going to run it? Because the Nationals had always traditionally run at Easter. Well, we couldn't run at Easter because there was already a booking at Easter. So um, why, can't, why can't we run it, you know, in the summertime period, oh, in that Christmas New Year period? Oh, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. What are we going to call it? Well, we can't call it the Summer Nationals because the drag racing people had their own event called Summer Nationals, right? Couldn't really use the word Nationals because the Federation would have had a passing off action against me. So... We're going to run it in summer. Yep, no worries. Can't run it. They call it nationals, but what about we call it Nats? Summer Nats. That sounds like a good deal. So off we go. <laughs> summer Nats was born through a conversation about choosing those words. Summer Summonats is the biggest horsepower party on earth and the best way to do Summonats is with a Platinum Pass. Going Platinum gets you more than just prime shaded seating at the burnout pad. You'll also score an official Summonats merch pack. Platinum only discounts, early access to the top 60, a fast lane to get into the venue, free parking and more. Platinum Passes sell out every year so grab yours today from summonats.com.au and do the Nats in style. 
Okay, Chick, well, it's here we're going to bring uh, Owen Webb, your longtime friend and Summonat's elder, into the conversation. Owen, welcome. Um, tell us about when you were standing in line at SeaWorld with Chick Henry, the conversation that you had. Yeah, well, look, that's, uh, it was, it's really funny, Cam. That's uh, probably 35 years ago, and it was just really like yesterday. We, uh, we went to a, an event in, well, I used to have a Black XW We went to an event in Queensland. We had a show at Australia Fair was the name of the of shopping centre. And then the, the function that night was at uh, SeaWorld. So we all we all rocked down to SeaWorld and, and uh, I'd heard about Chick Henry. This, he was almost a legend back then and I'd never really met him and he, he happened to be standing in front of me. And so, of course, me being me and him being him, we struck up a great conversation. And he announced to me that night that he was going to put together this huge car show bringing all the tribes, everybody was welcome, even the hot rodders, and uh, he was going to make this an unbelievable event for all the car people. And obviously that was uh, based off his experience in Tulsa with the, with the street rod nationals, but he wanted to encompass all the vehicles. So from that, just those few words in that, that night, we ended up two years later with the summon accident. Wow. <laughs> Our life changed for so many people. Well, it's here I'm going to bring eldest daughter into the conversation, Angie Henry. Hello. Hi, Cam. No doubt you're really enjoying listening to your dad and some of those very, very early memories. I'm going to ask you, what's your earliest memories of the event? The earliest memories of the event would possibly when we first started in Queanbeyan, and Dad said, why don't you come down? from Brizzy and help me set things up, you know, do lots of things with me. And I'm like, okay. So we had this old workshop in Queanbeyan that, um, you know, it was very basic and it was just sometimes we'd work through the night getting everything done with the entries coming through and back those days, you know, it was everything on phone. All the entries had come in through the mail and, um, yeah, it was, it was pretty, pretty exciting the unknown. And so were you amazed how it all sort of came together, looking back on it now? Absolutely. And I mean, you know, I was only 20 at the time, so it was all very new and exciting to me. I was probably more interested in boys than cars. (laughs) (laughs) So it was cool. And I can look back now on Dad to go, wow, he never lost sight of that vision. doesn't matter what was going on. He always knew and that was amazing. And so over the years, what, what did you most enjoy about working on Summonats and the event? Look, it's easy to say all the people, you know, because you'd make such amazing friends. You'd get used to seeing them every year. I mean, there's probably no other place that we've ever been on holidays as much as the amount of times that we've been to Canberra. And um, it's all the different things. It's, you know, sometimes we'd see the same people, but they'd have different cars. And what's probably scary through the years is now it's all the kids that I knew when they were younger and now they're coming through with their kids, their cars. And that's really cool. And so what are you most proud of when it comes to your dad? I'm proud that for Dad, he put his own self-belief and backside on the line and he never lost sight of the ultimate goal 
and he loved making people happy. He loved, you know, often we'd finish up at midnight, one o'clock in the morning, and I, Dad would leave before me some nights, and then I'd be driving out, and here he'd be on the side of the road having a beer with some of the spectators because he just loved hearing and enjoying that time with them, having a great time. And why do you think they warmed to him? That's very personable. He's, you know, when it all comes down to it, he's just a, a car guy that wants to have a good time. He loves hanging out with his mates, and that was more important to him. John Winterburn, or Stomper, was an early friend of Chicks, and they met through the Surface Paradise Dragway where Stomper was manager. Chick saw his organising skills and asked him for his help and direction from the beginning. Stompo, thank you so much for joining us and welcome, buddy. Tell us how you hooked up with Chick in the early days. Well, Chick was an official with me at Surface Paradise Raceway back in the 70s. And his wife both worked for us. He was in the scrutineering and she worked in the tower. And so was there an, an immediate friendship that was uh, that was hatched? It's, it's a car deal, you know. Everybody gets on with everybody else and we, we remain friends from that day on. And so why do you think you became friends with him and, and what were the early memories? Because he's a crazy bastard. He's, he's, he's a funny man, you know, and he was always the life of the party. He always would tell a, tell a joke. He could pull a joke out of his hat any time he wanted to, you know, and he still do it. Same deal. And tell us about some of those crazy days, though. What's one of the things that really stuck out that you saw him do or say? God, there's that many of them. I can't even think on it at the moment, but... Uh, it was just like the, the way that he is with a group of people. You know, he commands the, the attention and, and he really does it well. And Chick mentioned also that uh, you're a valuable contributor um, to him in the advisory sort of role regarding sponsorship. Tell us about that. I was uh, also working at Surface Raceways, meeting director, running the drag. Also was um, chairman of the Queensland Hot Rod Association. I mean, we used to run the Hot Rod Show in Brisbane. And I kept telling Chick, Chick, Chick kept talking about wanting to run this Summonats deal. And I said, well, you've got to do it, you know. So we talked about it for ages. And um, I said, what you've got to do is you offer a sponsor X amount and give them double. And um, he sort of followed on from that. And it's worked out, worked out really well for him. And back in those early conversations, did you ever think that he would be able to bring the tribes together? It, it was undecided. I, I mean, it was just at the time, it was a dream of his to do it. And other people were giving him a hard time. And I said, Mitch, you just got to go for it. Just do it, you know. And which he did, and I was my other guy for it. And did you ever think that it would get as big as it did? No, it's the same as like we built Willowbank Raceway. We never thought that would get that big either, you know. It's the same thing. And some of that just went from strength to strength. And the part that impressed me the most about Chick Henry was that on the 10th anniversary, uh, unannounced, he turned up. I had a travel agent at that stage, and he turned up my office with a framed photo with a poster for the 10th anniversary with the words underneath it talking about when we, we discussed about sponsorship deals. You know, that meant a lot to me. That's the sort of person he never forget you. So, Chick, as we wrap up the first episode, we're, we're counting through your top six all-time favourite Summonats memories. Now, there, there must be just thousands of them, so we've asked you to pick out six. What's the memory that stands out for you as the sixth all-time best Summonats memory? Well, Saturday night at the Summer Nats was a big deal to me because I, I loved um, not just the, the Super Cruise aspect of it and and all of that sort of stuff and whatever bands we had, but I loved working with the guy that used to do the fireworks for, for us and also loved working with Lawrence Legend yeah. you know, doing it. 
stunts. But anyway, this one year, I said to Harold Upton, who used to do the fireworks, I said, "How do we how do we create a nuclear explosion? <laughs> the, the, the 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 fireball aspect of it all, you know." Anyway, he had a bit of a think about it. Anyway, he wasn't too sure, so I rang a mate in Queensland who specialised in um, in special effects, and and uh, his was he, he could do it, but it was going to cost me about thirty thousand bucks. Right. So anyway, Harold came back from the States and uh, he used to go to this big pyrotechnics deal in Arizona or somewhere where all these lunatics that sort of do all this different stuff and blow each other up and everything. He said, I think I know how to do it. So anyway, he did a test run at a little a little show um, somewhere in western New South Wales and he came back and he videoed it and he said, that'll work, that'll work. Okay, so cool. Now, by now, one of the great things that people were saying to me is, what are you doing this time? going to happen what's the special feature well that was to me was a big deal when people started to think that way anyway i was saying no don't worry don't worry it'll be right it'll be you'll, you'll be you won't be disappointed <laughs> anyway off we go and the fireworks were on and as usual harold's fireworks were fantastic one yeah. of the reasons why they were good is everyone was so close you know even though we used to have to have legal separation and everything from the various sizes anyway so up it goes and harold's fireworks are fabulous so I knew the big fireball thing at the end was going to be right at the end. Anyway, up it went, and and um, anyway, it was just wild. This great big new, you know, mushroom cloud fireball. Fireball. <laughs> anyway, a few seconds later, another one went up, which was bigger. Anyway, I thought, oh wow. So then, a few seconds later, another one went up, and it was so big, and it was like you could feel the heat over the whole of the arena. <laughs> And I swear, it was almost like a hush went over the crowd where everyone said, holy shit, or something like that, you know. Anyway, afterwards, when he caught up with me, he said, what would you think? And I said, oh, mate, it was, that was very cool. But how come you did three? He said, I got scared. I had to break it into three. If I'd done one, it would have blown the grandstand over. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> that would have got the dogs in Watson barking. Next week, we explore the early days of Summonats, the day where the gates were opened for the very first time. Legends and memories are born, and event foundations and traditions are established that will give car builders and enthusiasts a roadmap that guides and defines the future of the lifestyle motoring enthusiast, the cars that unite them, and the acknowledgement, acceptance, and credibility that this crazy community deserves. Planning on being part of the world's wildest car festival but haven't got your entry in? Entries to Street Machine Summonettes 34, proudly supported by Rare Spares, are limited to 2,000 and will sell out very soon. With limited entrant passes remaining, some people will miss out. So don't delay. Head to the website and lock in your spot before they're all gone. And we'll see you at Summonats.